Hey, this is Oscar Mike, and you're listening to Fourth Shift. No, you idiot. Uh, uh, Second Shift. Oh my god, you are so stupid. Everyone, this is Isaac. You're listening to Third Shift. <laughs> I want to welcome everybody to episode 120 of Third Shift, and today, as always, you have me, Mr. Eric, and you have Mr. Matt, but that's not all, folks. Today, we've got a very, very special guest that we've kept super secret and haven't told a single soul because you never know if it's going to work out in the very end, but it happened. So here before you today, we have none other than Jim Ferranda joining us to have a wonderful little interview section, and it's going to be a wonderful episode Jim, say hello to everybody for me, would you? Hello, everybody. I'm glad you had me. I thought you'd be afraid since uh, you made everybody on the uh, the Nova angry at you for saying such nice things about Oscar Mike last week or the other week. <laughs> well, you know, you uh. that was Matt being angry, and that was Matt getting <laughs> in trouble. So that's I'm true. fine. And if I watch Matt get you know shot to death and or dismembered, that's all better for me. So it's and okay. You get to see it on video and everything. So exactly. <laughs> and like I said, the week after that, that was probably the highlight of this whole podcast. 120 episodes, all the other stuff we've done. That was amazing. So I want to say thank you in person now to you. Thank you very much for doing that. That was awesome. Oh, I, I loved it. And you know what? It's just it's that's part of Mike's character. He just he, mm-hmm. yeah. He was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So he um yeah he he was happy. He was happy to be geek of the week. <laughs> yes. you, you you played that out better than I had imagined at all. I was oh, yeah. like, all right, he'll do a cool little blurb, and then it was the whole thing, and I was like, ah, this, this is too good. This is too dang good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Gosh. <laughs> so I'm sure you know, Jim, before we get on to the interview and all the talk, we do a little rotating segment where we all kind of just briefly talk about what we've been up to this week, games-wise, life-wise, whatever floats your boat. And as the guest of honor, we'll go ahead and we're going to throw it to you first. Okay, well, let's see. Games-wise, boy, howdy, um, Earth Defense Force 5 came out, and I've been a mm-hmm. huge fan of those since... Uh, I never played the PS2 one, like the, the Japanese one, but uh, when mm-hmm. it came out on the Xbox 360, there's something about that corny giant monster. They never call them bugs. It's always giant monsters or right. uh, creatures. But uh, yeah, it's there's something about when they come swarming at you and... Uh, you shoot something and you get a weapon. It's like, what is this? Oh, it's a grenade that bounces around twenty-five times. It's it's similar to another game we all like. So I was I was happy to uh, I was happy to crack into that. And then of course tomorrow there's something special coming out too. So ooh yeah, Borderlands Two VR comes out tomorrow. Oh, yeah 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 yeah. Well, technically it's today since this is going to be on Friday, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the gaming week. Um, I finally got a Switch too, so I've been doing a lot of a uh, setup and tinkering around with that as well. Um, nice. Yeah, I have a late late starter on that um and work-wise uh, oh gosh well today uh if i sound a little hoarse i was called in for some emergency uh npc you know enemy recording so there's a lot of yelling a lot of screaming dying and then after that in the same studio i was asked if i could stay on and uh and help with a um a martial arts movie dub so i said oh yeah sure i've, I've got time so a lot of yelling and dying and screaming and getting kicked in the head and stuff <laughs> yeah. awesome God bless. I wish. I wish. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, Matt, we're going to kick it to you. What did you do? Because I'm sure you can match it, right? Well, I, I can't match quite that that much awesome stuff, but I did do two pretty cool things this week. I went and saw Fiddler on the Roof over at the Wharton Center, 
And that was a really good show. I've never seen it on stage. I'm really familiar with the movie. So I'm really familiar with those iconic performances. So it was a little strange. I had trouble getting into it because I'm like, well, that's not, what is his name? Topol from the Topol. movie? Yes. Yep. yep. So, so it wasn't that guy and he didn't have that, that earthy like accent, but you know, everyone did a really good job. So I got into it eventually. And then I, I won't spoil it if anybody hasn't seen it, but there's something that happens at the very end of that the movie and the play and the way they put it up on stage was really interesting and like affecting because they they took all the scenery away and had all the actors out there they're they're walking someplace basically is, is all i'll say but they put behind just a white screen so everyone was just totally in shadow as they were walking around and it really it really brought out those emotions of what's happening to them and how you know they've been marginalized in the society and it was it was really cool because just it was silent there was like a maybe like a little bit of music and just watching them walk and it was really powerful and really well done and then the day after that i went and saw creed 2 the total opposite tonal shift from what i had just seen <laughs> but that was a great movie i loved it i love boxing movies i don't really like boxing in real life because i like movie boxing where hits land super clean and it's dramatic and there's there's always like big emotional stuff so I liked the first Creed. This one was more of the same. It was kind of like the, the Rocky Four of the Creed movies, obviously. So that was a lot of fun. Then on the gaming front, I did a couple streams of Red Dead Redemption 2 over the weekend. Still loving that game. I got chased by gators. It was quite scary. And you then, didn't respect those gators, man. You didn't respect the gators. That's what's the problem. No, I did. My horse threw me off, and I went, Gators, no, and I ran. I the ran screaming for the hills. So <laughs> where where does that take place? Because I, I haven't played it yet. It, it's kind of, I mean, there's Old West areas. I mean, it's all fictional, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's, there's more desert areas, and then there's, like, in the southeast of the map, there's kind of like a Louisiana swamp kind of area. Okay, I was thinking, wait, there are bears and gators in the same? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was honestly thinking the same thing, Jim. I'm like... I'm like, dang, I haven't played this either. And he's talking about bears and moose and freaking gators. I'm like, where in the world are you? So I grew up in Florida, and it was it's pretty commonplace for alligators to like, oh, they showed up in your neighbor's yard and stuff like that. It was, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it got to the point where, wow, maybe they should take them off the endangered species list, which one they did because now they're freaking everywhere. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, yeah, gators can be, you know, they're, they're kind of cool from a distance, but yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they can be scary. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I found them in that area, I was like, what's that? Because, you know, you kind of, if you hold the trigger, you focus on something. And I went, oh, there's a gator over there. So I kind of walked around and looked at it. And then I was I was trying to shortcut. So I was going through the wilderness and not on the roads to get to whatever the next mission was. And my horse started freaking out. I'm like, what's going on? She dumped me on the ground. I look over, gator over here hissing, gator jumping off the log, running at me over here. I was like, okay, no, 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 no. So that was a lot of fun, and then at the end of the last stream, I was on a ship, and then I washed up on a like a tropical island. So it's it's all over the place. It takes place desert, bogs and marshes, and now I'm like in Cuba or something. It's it's crazy. Wow. And then the only other game I've been playing, Earth Defense Force Five. I'm right in the, right in the same boat with Jim. I've loved that since EDF 2017 on the 360. I was so excited because I was watching reviews of this one. Eric knows this. There's like bees and like frog people in this one. I'm so excited to find those and and shoot them and have them just everywhere all over the screen. It's it's been awesome. Uh, two it. arms, two legs, and a mouth, just like humans. <laughs> I, I man, it is it is it is a professional goal. I want a dub 
if if not an Earth Defense Force, I would love mm-hmm. to voice any of Sandlot's stuff because man, I, I they they have a lot of fun with the stuff they make. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was thinking about that because I was just playing like thirty minutes before we got on here, and I was like, you know what? Because I saw you tweeted about it, and I was like, I wonder if he wants to be in one of these games because it's so it's so cheesy and fun and perfect. I'd love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was pretty much my week. What about you, Eric? What you been up to? Well, I'm glad I went last because I cannot match either of your weeks. I'm the boring one of us, the one that does nothing, but. I did have a glorious weekend because I sat here for at least a five-hour stint playing Dragon Quest with my daughter, and uh, got you know got a big boss defeated. Did a whole bunch, moved the story along. Really had something I didn't expect to happen happen in the game. I won't spoil it, but it's a real pivotal moment, and a lot of the things go down. It doesn't go the way you think it should, basically. And my daughter, you know, she's six, so she doesn't understand what's going on yet. And so when this happened, it devastated her. So, yeah. So I had to then play the game for an extra few hours because I had to get pushed past all that events and show her that things were going to be okay. (laughs) So so she's down here crying, you know, and I go upstairs and I'm like, ah, dear, I got to keep playing the game and such and such (laughs) happened and I got to make this right. So I go downstairs and so I spent the next few hours just pushing past all this stuff, getting through the story, just pounding through it. No, no leveling, no searching. Just ah, it's gonna be fine. Watch, watch, watch. We're gonna, we're, it's gonna be great. Okay. So was she was she okay? Did she everything's yes. cool. Okay, everything's good. fine. We we got to a point where she understands what's going on now, and that uh, all there's a, there's a hope. Uh, let me just put it this way. At one point, she goes, "Well, if, if we're done, Daddy, why don't we just get Dragon Quest Twelve then?" Because we're done. It's all over. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, no, well, awesome. that's not quite how it works, dear. We're not done yet. We can we can still do this. It's okay. <laughs> so that was very entertaining. It's something you don't really think about. And then when your six-year-old's breaking down in tears over a game, you're like, oh, that's right. Yeah, this is all fresh for you. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. She probably isn't out of the everything's fluffy and shiny. Like mm-hmm. Di- Disney movies have a couple dark areas, but it's not. It's it all... But it's always really laughter right after or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's always a basket full of puppies at the end of it, you know? It's, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was definitely one of those events where it was not a basket full of puppies for a while. So, <laughs> oh. so I learned my lesson, kind of, sort of, because how can I gauge when that kind of thing is going to happen? So mm-hmm. if I see it coming, you know, for the foreseeable future, I'll just, you know, oh, you know, I'll do that part while she's sleeping. And then when she gets back on, hey, look, Daddy went through that town, and here we are. <laughs> now we're on Level this other up. coast. It's exactly. pretty cool over here. Yeah, it's fun. I took a boat over. No big deal. Don't even worry about it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's keep traveling. Besides that, work-wise, same old crap. Nothing special there. Nothing exciting happening. However, with the uh, video game awards having just gone by, I've been scouring the internet. There's every video I can find for, uh, you know, Rage 2, Anthem, Division 2, etc. I've just been eating it up. Just eating it up, eating it up, eating it up, eating it up. And, of course, um, what's one by, um, God, uh, I just looked at it today. The, the little one done by the, it's like an indie game almost, The Pathless. No, yeah, Pathless. The Pathless, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Pathless. That's, the one, that's the one where it's, uh, with the bird friend, the, uh, yes. the, the archer, and she has like this... Um, yeah, it's like a, it's a bird of prey. It's a big bird of prey that can carry yeah, her and yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say she's flying around and then doing the running. We were talking about it just the other day, and I was looking at more videos on that. And I'm like, man, this is gonna be really cool. Mm-hmm. 
So super stoked, and I'll, of course, keep it up to date. But beyond that, not too much. Same old, same old on our end. So with our weeks out of the way, I want to just get to the meat and potatoes of it. We're going to start with Jim as a young man, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, coming out of high school. What in the world, Jim? How did you end up in this position where you are today? Let's go ahead and start from the beginning and we'll kind of just meander through your life and where things went wrong at, because apparently you did something wrong to end up in this awesome position. Because I've done everything right, and I'm not there, so you know. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm still trying to make my way there. Uh, so um, <laughs> it is it is an actor's life. So it's uh, yeah. Um, anyway, okay. Uh, so uh, went to school in Florida, and I wanted to make films. So I went to. Went to Central Florida. Was going to study. Was going to study film, and uh, I was in a class one time. And I remember, the, like, this is the head of the program at the time, and it was like, uh, uh, you, you guys watch this laser disc of singing in the rain. And one of the classmates said, "Are, are we, are we to get tested on this?" Or is it? No, I just don't feel like teaching today. Like, guy literally said that. I'm thinking, wow, I am. What am I learning here? And uh, anyway, and this is all like, like the pre-major stuff, like the first. And um, I eventually realized that. It was the movie The Big Picture with Kevin Bacon. Have you guys seen that? He's like, he's a, he's a film student, and then he graduates, he wins like an award, and he can't, nobody wants to produce his film. There's a line in that movie that made me think, he's going for a, a, an interview at a restaurant, and he says, oh, it says here on your resume, you're a, you're a director. Yeah, our busboy Jack is a director. You guys should have a lot to talk about. And then I realized that, <laughs> you know, I need to be able to find work when I get out of school. So I, uh, I went, I decided to study advertising. Because I always thought advertising was cool. It's like making little movies, and um, and you get out of school and you go straight into writing um, coupons and uh, prospectuses for vision care companies, and it's just really kind of wow. Um, so that was in Florida. Then I had my first layoff. That's one thing they never teach you in school, and uh, which is what they should is that if you uh, work in if you work in advertising, that uh, you will get laid off at some point in time. Luckily, a person that I had worked with in Tampa had since gone to Dallas. And the advertising agency that was doing the Star Wars Episode One promotion for Pizza Hut, because, you know, Pizza Hut, Tricon, you know, Pizza Hut and uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Taco Bell is all one company. I was going to say Taco Bell. Yeah. I remember mm -hmm. very well Taco Bell, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they were going to do this huge, big promotion with Episode One. And um, so they had lost a writer who... Uh, let's say, didn't stick to their NDA, apparently, and got oh. caught. So uh, they needed a new writer. And so this guy that worked with me in Tampa knew that I was a huge Star Wars fan. So it's like, oh, I got the perfect guy. And so as luck would have it, you know, I'd been, you know, looking for work and freelancing for like a month. And hey, would you like to move to Dallas and to work on Star Wars? Hell yeah, I will. So I moved to Dallas. So working on Pizza Hut, that was great. Then started working on some other projects, you know, like some, you know, you work in that agency, you work on what they tell you to, where they put you... And, oh, we're going to do some spec work for Hasbro Toys. And it was for, um, for G.I. Joe, for when they were relaunching the 12-inch stuff. Um, so, worked on that. And it worked. Okay, we did some G.I. Joe stuff. We're going to do a Transformers commercial now. And the small group of us that were working on the Hasbro things, we were spun off into our own agency. And we became Hasbro's agency of record for, like, Transformers, G.I. Joe, uh, My Little Pony, Beyblade, all that stuff. If you saw any Transformers TV commercial from 2002 to 2012, 
Uh, I wrote it. Wow. Man. Yeah. And I was just about to ask you that. Like, what was your specific part in that? So writing, writing the actual commercials and ads and et cetera. Yeah, it's a copywriter. And, you know, and you, you come up with the ideas, you come up with the concept. And, you know, it seems, what can you put into 30 seconds? But you try to put a story around it. And then mm-hmm. you write it. And, um, and then the client will come in and say, no, you know, it needs to say more about these features. And, you, and you know, the concept gets a little, you know, washed away and becomes more of a sales message. But it's one yeah. of the things that I liked about advertising is that I, I, I saw it as like a puzzle. Okay, say this thing about the toy. And then... Uh, you have to say it in 30 seconds, but make it fun. And so you try to come up with an idea, and then sometimes it just gets like beaten down into, you know, buy now, and it's <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you can, you, we came up with really fun stuff. And um, that was, uh, I, mean, it was, I mean, it's pretty much everything. If it was a Hasbro product, we pretty much, there's a good chance that I worked on it. And mm-hmm. that is also how I got into voice acting. So do you do you remember um, early two thousands? There was a, a, a CG, there's a, a group of CG um, GI Joe spots. Mm-hmm. It's early two thousand. Okay, anyway, early two thousands. No, I, I, all right. I, I found them in the uh, in the research for the show, so I know what you're talking about. Okay, I don't remember it from back in the day. <laughs> so originally, um, there was you know there was like some union talent for that, and but the producer had done like a like a calculation error, and it turned out that it ate into the actual media budget, meaning there wouldn't have been any money to run the spot on, on TV. So it was emergency mm-hmm. recasting with all agency staff. And so we all nice. recorded for every line, and um, it was just sent blind to Hasbro, and they just picked their favorite voices. And I ended up being five characters in that one campaign. Like, wow. like yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was co- Cobra Commander for that spot. And, um, and I was a reporter for the BBC. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, it's a British oh, reporter, man, Cobra Commander, Duke, uh, <laughs> Heavy Duty, um, and then Destro in another spot. And so it turned out Hasbro started wanting to use me for a lot of their stuff. And it was, you know, it was, it was kind of a bargain because you know, I'm with the agency. So and for me, it was, mm-hmm. oh, it's job security. And um, I will say I'm the only voice actor to, in an official capacity, be Cobra Commander, Duke, Optimus Prime, and Megatron, all four of them. Officially for pretty commercial, awesome. that is nuts. Very, very proud of that. <laughs> um, but you know that that we got another producer later, and he said, "You know, you you could get actually paid for this." And uh, so I I got some help from him. I put together a reel of stuff I did for Hasbro, and uh, I started you know taking it to different agencies around the area. And I got signed by an agent. And the first non-Hasbro thing I did was a. Uh, it was a Coca-Cola ad for um, uh, local high school basketball. Did some stuff for Funimation, and yeah, it's it's kind of golly, it's so long ago. But yeah, it was uh, in 2002. Now, why didn't you? You should have did something for Pepsi, good sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the, the time machine. I'm stretching it out. Um, I was gonna <laughs> say, switch it up. I, yeah. I can't. I can't have this Coca-Cola nonsense. Yeah. This is ridiculous. So, uh, so in, in 2013, um, there was some some management changes to Hasbro, and they got a new, uh, you know, head marketing officer who brought in. Um, she brought in her old agency, and we lost almost all of our business. And and it was just like it was a oh it was a bloodbath. Everybody like three quarters of the agency got cut, and you know it was. I'd been with the company for so long, you know, I'd saved up a little bit for, you know, to an escape package just in case anything bad happened, thank God. And um, 
I thought, you know, if I don't try doing voice work full time now, I'm never go- I'm never going to be brave enough to do it because it's it's terrifying, you know. When mm-hmm. you so I did advertising freelance, and I've been doing voice work as as my main job now for five years, and it's it's been working. That's yeah. awesome. God, what an awesome shift though, going from the ad, and then like you said, having the guts to break off into the voice acting, and then make just the ads the the side instead. Yeah, yeah. Oh I mean, man, that's clever. Mm-hmm. Then, it's terrifying. Well, trust me, I know because I, I, you know, mm. I could venture off and do something now different. But I'm like, oh man, but job security is great, benefits are great. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. want to do it. It's Even though you see risk. the, you see mm-hmm. the downturn coming. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I understand. I mean, yeah, I, I loved, I loved working for them. I mean, it's, I mean, it was a lot of fun. You know, you'd, you'd fly up on a regular basis up to Rhode Island to the headquarters, and it's just, it's, you know, it, it's. There's kind of a Willy Wonka aspect when you go there because there's just mm-hmm. there's toys all over the place. And you'll see they have like framed some of that original package art from, you know, uh, you know uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers and My Little mm-hmm. Pony. The, these, the actual paintings that they would scan and then put onto the packages. It's, man, it's nice. cool stuff. Man. And um, I should share one more story about uh, mm-hmm. working for Hasbro. Um, go for it. So for movie two... Uh, this is how I became, I'd like to say, the, the world's most hated Optimus Prime. The internet's most hated <laughs> Optimus Prime. So for movie two, uh, for the toy commercials for movie two, we were going to get Peter Cullen. He was going to supply the voice of, of Optimus for the, uh, the spots. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's a, you know, it's a professional and childhood idol, you know, voice of Optimus yeah. Prime. And so advertising works like on a really, really quick turnaround. So, okay, time comes to record and he's on a press junket for the movie. He's like in China. There's no way we can get him. So then somebody at Hasbro says, oh, Ferranda can do it. There's no problem. I sound nothing like him. I'm, I'm saying I, I sound like somebody mm-hmm. imitating him and not a very good one. I'm, I don't have the same you know, voice for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, oh, no, 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 you'll be fine. And, and so um, I did my best uh, Optimus Prime. And uh, you know, it, it wasn't bad, but it was somebody mm-hmm. pretend. It was like, you know, somebody pretending to be Optimus Prime and doing their best. And as soon as it hit YouTube, I went to YouTube to see what people were going to say because I knew it was going to be awful. And um, there, there are some really, really terrible comments on there. But you know what? It was, it was, it was fun because <laughs> I was Optimus Prime. Not a good one, but I was Optimus Prime. I was, I was the best I could be. So, yeah, yeah taking over a role for an existing character especially you a know, beloved one like that a too. really Oy. yeah a really really iconic one like that it's mm-hmm. i mean it was it was terrifying and um just imagine having to do something like that you know it's uh you know or even even again um would be terrifying i i couldn't imagine hey hey you eric hey come come into this series here and just you know do your best with us but if uh, nobody likes it literally like you said a million people are going to hate me yeah, yeah. it's um it's okay yeah, oh, they always say, this. don't read the comments, and, and I did, yeah. yeah. Was, whew, I did one, I had a favorite one that was just so awful that I actually, it became kind of like a joke around the office, I printed it out and put it on my wall. It said, um, that's a fake f**k face, nut-hugging Peter Cullen f**k you imposter. <laughs> yeah. However, there was somebody in the oh, same, man. somebody in the same message thread said, oh, that's Michael Dorn from Star Trek Next Generation. And so, and I don't know how that happened because it's funny because by chance, a friend of mine who works at Hasbro said, hey, so apparently on Wikipedia, that internet legend that is Michael Dorn became so like, I guess, 
it's one of those things that, you know, where something on the internet suddenly becomes fact. If you go to Wikipedia, it says, mm-hmm. voice of, you know, movie two Transformers commercials, Michael Dorn. Under the, if you search nice. for Optimus Wonderful. Prime, and I'm thinking, you know what? That, Michael Dorn unknowingly is stealing my thunder. But then I'm thinking about how much everybody hated it. So I'm thinking, maybe I should just leave that credited maybe to Michael Dorn. Maybe just let that one go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or see, now you know you can do, you can steal his roles. If ever they want to recast him for something, just put you right in there. You sound the exact same. It's, exactly. It is you. I don't know. I don't, Michael Dorn, though, man. I mean, he's, he's like huge. If you ever see him, yeah. like, you know, what, like at any sort of Star Trek thing. I mean, when you see them mm-hmm. at Comic-Con, I was walking by like a Star Trek table. They were doing signings once. And um, and both he and Jonathan Frakes, Commander Riker, they were both standing. And oh my God, those guys are huge. They are tall. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they put together a meme one time on the internet with uh, Riker. Every time he approached a chair, he would never sit in it like a normal human. He always stepped Swing over the, the chair. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it just, I don't know what about that, but it just cracks me up every time I see it. Because, of course, like you said, he's a huge dude. Yeah, he just swings his leg over so and big. sit yeah, down. He just, yeah. Mm-hmm. He just swings his leg over the chair every time in that show, all throughout <laughs> it. He's, that's what he does. And I never caught it growing up. You know, I just mm, watched the no. show and had a good time. And then. That meme came about, or that gif, or whatever you want to call it, and I just was like, oh my god, that is ridiculous. Well, that's how you wow. sit in chairs of the future. I guess. Right, <laughs> I guess. Goodness. They, they so, make them short enough, you can just swing your tall leg right over it. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> but before we get into any of the uh, the voice acting, there was one more little thing, and, and maybe I got this confused, but I saw it. It said that you were the creator of AMP. I uh, AMP. I named... Amp energy drink, yes. Uh, before Man. working for Hasbro, um, it was uh, we were part of a um, like a product development group, like naming stuff, and um, like uh, one of my coworkers. Do you remember? Oh God, uh, years ago, Pizza Hut had like a snack called the Pizone, like a P apostrophe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, a buddy of mine, he he named the Pizone. And, um, nice. yeah, it's like, oh, okay. And, but, um, yeah, it was Mountain Dew's coming out with a new energy drink. And so what we learned through, you know, researching that is energy drinks have a medicinal taste because it's part of that idea that, oh, it's somehow it's good for me. There's vitamins in it along with all the caffeine. And so, <laughs> and, and Pepsi through Mountain Dew was developing a new energy drink that had all the same energy, but it didn't taste like medicine. You weren't drinking cough syrup or something. And so, um... Oh God, we threw out all kinds of names, and um, one of them was uh, we were talking. You know, you sit around and you brainstorm names, and you just like throw stuff out there. And it's like uh, amped up, amped, amp, amp. Ooh, amp. And so I added that to my list of stuff, and nice. then the creative director goes through all the names. Ooh, amp, I like this. And so we, yeah, um, I named amp energy drink. That's that's my hey. one product claim to fame and i think i is it even around anymore i, I oh yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah it's still around it's not as big as you know monster or obviously red bull but it's still there at least here in michigan anyway we still have it in the display at work so mm-hmm. i'll never not be able to think of that anytime i see it now. i haven't seen it in a while maybe it's not bottled in, in the the texas bottlers i'm not sure but um mm-hmm. yeah so when transformers movie 3 came out and there was like one of the it was like the nascar autobot that had the amp logo on it I'm thinking oh, yeah. that is everything has come full circle. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's awesome. <laughs> everything I've done, it's all together now. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amp energy oh. drink. It's um, that's my, that's my legacy. That is my legacy in advertising. That's not a bad one. That's actually a pretty mm. good one. 
Because, like yeah. I said, it's still here. It's still kicking. And we have a lot of Pepsi factories up here, so maybe that's why we still see it a lot because mm-hmm. we, we see all every brand of freaking Pepsi product there is it still exists up here. So maybe it's kind of washing away down there, but, hey, it's strong in Michigan, Jim. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope it's keeping you awake. Hey, I do get one every now and again. That's true. <laughs> but uh, so you switched over, like you said, mainly over to voice acting. Yep. And start out there. Did you start with mostly animation and then work your way into some gaming? Obviously, I think you still work with uh, Funimation, was it? Or Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, as, yeah, on Funimation right now. Ooh, yeah, I just started a character on uh, a show called That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. I was about to start mm. watching that, actually. It's a, it, nice. So you play RPGs. You will mm-hmm. love that show. It's, um, it's essentially, uh, there's a, there's a guy and, you know, the Japanese fellow who gets stabbed randomly by an attacker on the street and he dies and then he gets reincarnated as a slime in this fantasy world. And, you know, slimes are usually like the weakest of the weak, the lowest of the low, but he has the ability to absorb abilities and to create things from the energy that he, and there's so many RPG tropes in that show, but they just make it work. And um, yeah, so I just, uh, there is a character. I just joined the show and um, we might be seeing him again later, that character. Well, awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't, oh, don't, who yeah, hasn't don't, read don't, the, uh, don't spoil. yeah. So, um, okay. yeah, yeah I, I do. I, I, I'm not out at Funimation like, like all the time, like um, mm-hmm. some of the other actors, but um, I'm kind of, over the years, I've kind of typecast myself as a character actor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm always, oh, it's a, it's a growly man. It's a bear person. It's a freaking robot who likes to kill people. You know, it's a... Uh, uh-huh. I've never heard of I've, that. I've kind of, yeah, I've, I've somehow I've earned this reputation as being a character guy. And slowly but surely, some of the folks out there are casting me as people. And they realize, oh, you know, it was Caitlin, bless her. She cast me as this really nice wood carver artisan in a show called Sakura Quest. Um, mm-hmm. Caitlin Glass, she was the voice of Thorn in Battleborn and uh, Winry Rockbell in, in a Full Metal Alchemist. And it, it, she's oh, in everything. Awesome. But she cast me as a person, and I was so happy. I was, I was happy to not be <laughs> a murderous insert creature here or something. Nice. Yeah. Well, you're also a person in Full Metal Alchemist. Which you just mentioned, right? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was, and your head chef in Black Clover. Yes, which is a small spot, but I want to say that is a fantastic spot. Okay? Uh, the, the, his Salt Bay <laughs> meme, yeah, I, I was, yes, yeah, I, yeah, I am, um, yeah, I, I, I love, I love dubbing stuff. It's just, it's fun. <sighs> oh man, yeah, I saw you as that, and because I've been up, you know, keeping up to date with Black Clover and. I was like, oh my goodness. So I watch Black Clover with subtitles, mm-hmm. and then I saw that you're in that as the head chef, and I'm like, okay, nope, I got to go back. I got to go back, and I got to rewatch that, those two episodes, because I need to see this. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm super stoked about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I had a couple questions about uh, like the anime VO especially, because I know back when I was watching anime really heavy quite a while ago, it seemed like each kind of like a production studio had their own stable of actors. Is that kind of how it works? Are you like 
mainly contracted with a studio or kind of does everybody get to freelance and they just have a pool they like to choose from because you're established and you work well? Or? Folks can pretty much float, um, you know, wherever they go. It, it seemed like that, mm-hmm. I think, because ADV was in, um, was in Houston and, you know, actors okay. just lived in Houston. And sometimes... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would they would drive up to Houston to record stuff at Funny, and uh, sometimes Dallas actors would, you know, head south and stay, like, in Houston for, like, a day or two and, and record stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into it, I think, like, later. So, I you know, I never did anything for ADV. But um, I was doing a lot of work for Funny, and then there were uh, some some changes and stuff. I had a day job. I couldn't record during the day. Uh, they changed it to where they didn't want anybody recording after hours, so that kind of put a huge damper on my anime career for a while. But um, mm-hmm. it seems that I've done more game work, I think, than anime work, in a sense. I mean, I've done a lot of anime, but it's um, not as much as like a lot of other people. But I think I've, I'm known more for stuff from the games that I've done, I think. Mm-hmm. And to tie into that question, I kind of, you know, and maybe you don't know, because like you said, you do more games, really, than you do the animation stuff. But I've always wondered, so sometimes a script comes by, and it's, the translation's, like, really bad. Obviously, you know English, you see the script... And then you go, oh, wow, okay. Goodness gracious, what happened here? Is there is there any room for you, the voice actor, to then go, hey, some of these lines are really not so hot, and do oh. they give you room to wiggle with that, or do you literally just got to roll with what they give you and make the best of it? Or are you talking about in, in anime? Yes, in oh. anime specifically. Oh, gosh, they have whole teams of people that translate and do writing and stuff like that. And um, I think uh, when the writers, when they write... There's the there's the rough translation, but then mm-hmm. depending on the number of mouth flaps, because you know there's there's that the mouth popping open, mm-hmm. closed, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. meaning might be, yes, thank you, but then the mouth might be flapping for quite some time, and so mm-hmm. they have to embellish that line with some some dialogue that will fit that. And sometimes it's a challenge to get the dialogue to fit right. But in the very early days, I would find myself kind of overthinking it. Now, because I mean, it's you know years later, now it's you, you just you just say the line and you say it as naturally and as best you can to fit with those mm-hmm. beats and with the breaks, and mm-hmm. it just uh, the writer has already thought about that and the director's already thought about it, and sometimes the directors will go, oh, I don't like the way that looks. I'm going to change this to where it sounds you know slightly different or it sounds more natural this way. So a lot of that's done on the fly, but um, with with dubbing. You pretty much stick to the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, game-wise, because it's all, you know, games are, are, are prelay. It's like you record a lot of stuff way, way, way ahead of time. Um, there's a lot more, depending on who you're working with, and that's why working with Gearbox is so much fun, they often give you a chance to really play with the characters. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, in, in Battleborn, I got spoiled working on that because all the writers on Battleborn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Aaron and Sam, uh, Dante, everybody just, they just, they let you just uh, play with the characters. They, I mean, we lived them for so long. I mean, I worked on Battleborn for, golly, almost three years, like, like uh, over, over two and a half years with those characters. And um, it's, it's, it's fun when you could ad lib stuff, but yeah, anime, because you're, you're fitting to an existing performance, like, like visual performance uh, speaking, you gotta, you need to really stick with the script. Gotcha. Now, Danny sent through a couple questions, and she did want to ask specifically about anime and dubbing and sticking to a performance. As far as like your character and getting into the character and how that character is portrayed, she asked, do you listen to the original VO at all, or is it basically just what the director and everyone else tells you how that character is going to be? Well, so 
for example, I, I like to really figure out where the characters are coming from. Um, so, for example, in, in, uh, in Slime, this, this character, Geld, who is, uh, he's an orc, who, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I, <laughs> I went into the um, light novels that the show and the manga and the anime are based on to figure out where does he come from, what is his story, what is he all about. And uh, so I like having an idea of, of who the character is, even for something small. I like having something to, to kind of express from, to live from. I mean, even uh, Muscular in uh, My Hero Academia. I mean, I, he's, he's a great villain. He's only in it for, I think, three episodes. But um, as, as insane and as cruel as he was, he had a reasoning behind everything he was doing. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm totally going to kick your ass because if you're not using your abilities correctly, if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. Otherwise, you're just a waste of space. I mean, he was, he was cruel, but he had a reason behind that madness. And that's kind of where I just played it from. I, I, I like, maybe it's overkill if it's just, you know, if he's only going to be on for just like a little bit, but I, I like, I like knowing that. Um, and then on the, on the day of recording, uh, we'll listen to the Japanese to see what the pacing is, what the beats are. And uh, so you're kind of, it's not like we're not mimicking everything that they're doing, but um, it, it kind of gives you an idea of, what space the character was in in that scene. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. I did have one last one because whenever I would think of or watch, you know, footage of people recording anime, you kind of think of just, you're in the booth by yourself, maybe you got the director giving you direction. But when I was watching, I went and saw the uh, the Cowboy Bebop, like, 20th anniversary release of the movie in theaters and before that they had a little chat with the voice cast and they said over the years they've all really kind of bonded and gotten together and has that happened to you on a lot of projects or just maybe a couple or is that like a when you are part of a a team working on a show do you get a lot of interactions with the other actors or is it just kind of a case by case it's it's kind of case by case because you know because we all go in the booths separately to, to record mm-hmm. that stuff because it's you know there's a lot of like you know matching the lip flaps and stuff but you know and we'll pass yeah. each other we'll pass each other going by and um, uh, the only time we really work together is if you do a like a like a disc commentary or something or oh. um, I love doing Walla sessions and that's where um, if there's a classroom or a crowd of people in a mall or a bunch uh-huh. of frightened people on a train. And mm-hmm. they pile three or four of us into one studio. Sometimes those studios are really small, so you get really close. And uh-huh. you do a couple <laughs> takes. Okay, everybody, there's a monster on this train. Everybody needs to act scared. And so uh, it runs like three seconds. Everybody's scared of the monster on a train. Okay, let's go back and we'll do that again. Change up your voice, maybe higher, maybe lower. And then, you know, they layer all that stuff. And we sound like a big crowd of people scared on a train. But we get to work awesome. together in the same booth when we do that. And it's... um. Yeah, actually, got a little bonding experience there going. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know it's kind of fun uh, if you, if you work on the same thing, and you know if you're if you're playing the same game that you're in or something, you can go, oh wow, I really loved your performance as so and so, and wow, you know you sounded so great in this. And uh, again, um, I, I loved Battleborn. It's one of the like one of like the few games I platinumed on the PS4. And oh, wow. it's like every time I see, you know, a colleague who is in the game, I got to say, man, I really loved the way you played, you know, Kid Ultra or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, um, 
You know, I, I, I told Caitlin when uh, Thorn's Lore, where she's, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that is an extraordinarily touching performance for, for, you know, a lore piece. I mean, it was like, she put so much into it, and it was just amazing. It's, you know, you bond without ever actually working together in person, unless, you know, mm-hmm. you know and you become friends with directors and stuff. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the longer you work with them, it's, you get to know them, and it's, yeah. The anime, and then into games as well, like, how often is it that you actually watch or play uh, the stuff that you're in? Is it a common occurrence, or does it differ, you know, just on taste, you know, based off what you actually did a part in? How does it usually work out for you? Well, if, uh, if I have a platform I can play it on, um, mm-hmm. then uh, I'll, I'll try it out. If it's a game... Oh my gosh, I've been in Smite so many times, and I am terrible at it. I am, I gotta confess, I am terrible at Smite. I am awful, awful at it. And so, um, you know, as much as I love working on those characters, I, yeah, I can't play it worth, worth anything. And I, well, I see you did a lot of Dragon Ball back in the day as well. Yeah. Is that something you uh, were big into fighting games? or? Um, well, let's see. Uh, the only fighting game character, the only Dragon Ball fighting game character was uh, uh, Janempa. You know, the, the oh, big Janempa. Oh, this is what he <laughs> sounded like before the voice processing. Um, uh, I think he was in the two Budokai games, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I played those. I'm, I'm not. Awesome. I'm not the greatest at fighting games. The only fighting game I think I was ever any good at was Power Stone on the Dreamcast. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I long did, live the Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> what a great system that was. I am. Um, oh yeah. No, I know. I, I like. I, I like playing the games that I'm like. Uh, I love Killing Floor Two. That was. That's a fun game. It's a really fun. You know. It's kind of a. It kind of picks up the torch of uh of you know the left for dead series if you get a just a good group mm-hmm. of friends okay let's survive this thing and and make it to the end and mm-hmm. uh yeah. and uh you know of course the borderlands games played through all of those oh, yeah. um and uh and yeah and and battleborn uh, sometimes a game could be like ludicrously hard very first game i was ever in was a sega game a brawler called spike out battle street on uh the xbox okay. and yeah, that was a hard game, and that that game itself <laughs> like was it. was because uh, you know it was one of those it was like an arcade brawler where it's like we're gonna make it really easy for you to die, so you put in another quarter. But it's a home game, yeah. and there is a limited number of credits. So yeah, that that was that was a funny one because that was one of the ones where when we recorded it, we thought the style was gonna be one way, and then I guess they they changed the style of how the animation was done. So the voice, uh, I, I refer to it as my Jill sandwich moment. Where, oh, you know, yeah, we, yeah. everybody did their absolute best, and then the way it ended up being produced, it, it comes across very wooden and kind of silly. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Awesome. So, if you, if you guys ever see Spike out Battle Street in stores, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to go on YouTube and watch a long play. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I was just thinking that. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check this out. All right. Yeah, yeah. Chris Sabat and I have a great scene together. And it's... Um, mm. Oh, it's hilarious! It's just because it's just it's so it just came out so goofy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you switched over to video games mostly. Like, how did that happen? And then how did you meet you know Gearbox and get started on the Borderlands with them? Or were or were you doing something before then? Because yeah, I know you did some Brothers in Arms too. So yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, very first time I ever worked for Gearbox was for multiplayer character A in one of the Brothers in Arms games. I can't even remember which one it was. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was a. Uh, that was the first time I worked with um, worked with Gearbox, and I was a tank commander in the next one. 
basically, my agent would say, here's some auditions, and mm-hmm. you get an email, and then you record them, and then you send them off, and then you see what happens. Or sometimes, as in the case with uh, Borderlands, it, it was actually auditioning in person. And I auditioned for Borderlands way back when it was serious Borderlands, well, before it oh, yeah, before it got it, it got uh, the the makeover. And I, mm. I I knew the producer casually. I would bump into him. He was also an actor. He was hired by Gearbox to basically do all the casting. And later, and next time I saw him, he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, you were you were the second choice for the engineer." And I was like, "Oh." I wish you hadn't told me that because it makes you feel like I got really close and, and didn't and didn't make it. Which <laughs> and still and, fell. Yeah, and but you know, then I guess then there was the there was the style change, and um, I missed out on that casting. But I ended up doing a lot of work on the DLC for Borderlands One, and uh, that's how I kind of got on that radar. And then I I read for I mean I read for everything for Borderlands Two, uh, landed the Doll Corporation and just mm-hmm. a bunch of other creatures and stuff. And uh, and then when 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 Battleborn rolled around, I um, I read and landed Oscar Mike, and then I read again, and then I landed uh, I landed Isaac, and then Minrek, and then oh clone, I guess you got to be Whiskey Foxtrot as well, and um, might as well be yeah. So uh, I've worked with Gearbox for a long time, and they're good people there. You know, it's like the people that I've worked with, they're and even people that I haven't worked with. You know, like the the designers and stuff. Um, after working on Battleborn, actually like midway into it, um, Aaron Lindy, who is the writer I'd worked with mostly on that in the beginning, um, uh, he invited me over for lunch to get a tour of Gearbox. And I was walking through, and, and you see these rooms filled with artists and programmers and sound designers, and everybody is, is doing the absolute best they can, you know, to... They're at, they're at the top of their game. We're, we're going to make this. We're going to make it as good as we can make it. We're doing everything we can. And it's like to be part of a large creative endeavor like that. Because, you know, when you, if you work at an ad agency, you're like a small team of like two or three people working on a 30-second mm-hmm. commercial. But mm-hmm. a giant endeavor like a video game title with, you know, pages and pages of dialogue and, you know, artwork and animation and effects and stuff to be a part of that i kind of i refer to it as kind of like that starfleet feeling as i'm a part mm-hmm. of something really big and this is great i'm i'm proud to be a part of this and and i i am i still am i, I you know i was and i still am to be a part of mm-hmm. a giant creative thing like that is it's really humbling and it's i feel honored to be allowed to be a part of it coming from a day job and you know doing voice work on the side and I, you know, I'm one of those guys, I get imposter syndrome a lot where I feel like, do I really belong here? Am I really doing this? Do I, Battleborn was the first thing that made me think, yeah, yeah, I, I am a voice actor. This is working. You know, it was a, it, it was a good feeling. And, you know, it's like, it's, you know, got a lot of flack on the internet. A lot of people love to naysay it. And you know what? It's a good game. I love oh, it. It's, a, it's an amazing game. I mean, we preached oh, yeah. it forever. Yeah. And you know, it's like, and, and no matter what anybody says about it, it will never, I will never, ever, ever feel bad about that game because I am so mm. proud of the work done on it. And I'm proud to be a part of it. I do got to say, now we've talked with Ash previously on an episode and we've talked with Joe King previously on an episode. And you paint a picture here of this bright place where all these people are working. Okay, well, you know, I've got different reports, all right? So Ash tells me he works in a dungeon where he's whipped daily. He doesn't see the light of day. He's got these small teams, these little cubicles. He doesn't know anybody in the place. Everybody upstairs is dancing and laughing and having a great time. 
<laughs> and then Joe came on, and he kind of he kind of said, "Yeah, yeah, it's third and fourth floors. You know, it's like you know, it's like uh, Compulsion Games. Uh, we happy few. You know, up here it's all party, and we're all popping joy and having a good old time. And and then those little ghouls downstairs are you know doing their thing. Now you're trying to tell me." That it's all happy on all the floors. Everybody's smiling and working hard. What? <laughs> well, I I only go in there for you know every so often. I'm not there every day, but uh, <laughs> when I meet people, I mean you know it's I mean I'm sure you know work is work, and sometimes work can you know wear you down. Like I said, I, yeah. I loved working on on toy commercials. It was great, but you know it could be a beatdown quite often. But as a whole, I mean I I loved it. Um, but it, it, you know the job. Any job is can be tough, and um, but the people, like the people I've met, I mean, working and working with people for over two and a half years, and and seeing them, and you just, you know, I, I like to consider a lot of the folks at Gearbox friends now. I mean, I made friends over the mm-hmm. course of working on Battleborn, and uh, yeah, I, they're just and that's something. That's what I was going to ask. Like when you were doing the Borderlands, did kind of your relationships with them start to kind of grow a little bit and make it? easier to you know progress over there and get the 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 bigger roles and get a chance at that or was it literally every time it was just boom boom you're coming in who is this jim fronda okay cool well Well, let's see what he's got well and and well if you see you know um the stuff i did in borderlands it was a bunch of bit you know little bit parts and stuff like that you know sprinkled across Mm -hmm. you know the game and um so you'd come in and and you'd meet like the sound guys and the writer and, you know, you'd, you'd do your best, and if they liked your work, great. Then, you know, they'll remember you next time. Um, but, you know, you still have to audition, and, you know, you got to do your All best. Right. If you're just not the right voice for it, then you're not the right voice for it. If I was not cast as something, I would not take it personally. There would, I, don't, I wouldn't take it as, like, a vindictive thing. Oh, we're not going to hire him again. It's, uh, you just didn't fit that role. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah you, just, you just don't it's fit just that role. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah. It's, just, it's just how it works. Voice acting, acting in general, I think, is, like, you can't take things personally because, you know... Mm-hmm. A ton of people are all going after the same thing. And, uh, oh, I auditioned for this role, but I didn't get it. Who did they hire? Oh, he's great. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't feel bad because, you know, it's, it ended up sounding different than I, how I would have, you know, sounded. And that's fine. You know, it's like I don't, I don't take it personally. You know, unless somebody said, imagine. unless somebody flat out said, <laughs> you suck. I mean, yeah, I would take it personally. <laughs> when people ask me what voice oh, acting oh, is, I, I like to say, um, when people wanted to get into it, I try to prepare them. I say... Acting is a never-ending stream of failure punctuated with the occasional success. Because you audition, and you don't get something, and you audition, and you don't get it, and every so often, you do get something, and that's awesome. And that's just, that's just part of it. You, know, you can't land everything, because then nobody else would be able to work. <laughs> and I was just going to say exactly what you basically said was, in that type of business, you can't close doors. You know, yeah, you, you yeah. need to make sure all doors are constantly open because they're always going to have another role. There's always going to be another part, and you want to make sure you're there auditioning for that part because, like you said, there's going to be a million you don't get for every one you get. And mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. That's, as you said, terrifying, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we put out some question requests to the patrons, so I did have a couple just kind of general questions from a couple of them. Uh, two kind of tie together do you have a favorite character voice that you've done and or do you enjoy doing certain kinds of voices more than others like you talked about how you liked being a person versus like a monster or a crazy guy but do you like certain types of roles better or is there a certain favorite that stands out uh you know it's hard to say which roles i like because there's 
you can like things for different reasons. I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I loved I loved being Tatsu on Sakura Quest because he was he was this very uh, very bright eyed dreamer. You know, he he loved his art, and uh, you know he he wanted it to do some good, and he wanted to help. Mm-hmm. He wants to help bring you know uh, business back to the city. It's it's a it's one of those slice of life things that takes place in a small town mm-hmm. in Japan. Anyway, and uh, and. It hinted at a romantic relationship that I hope, if there's ever a season two, uh, will happen because I'd love to do some drama. I, I do a lot of comedy, and I would love to, you know, get some, love to get some serious stuff in there. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, you you switch over to something like like Battleborn, and you've got Isaac, who is just so mean and so terrible, mm-hmm. but he sounds so happy saying all those terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got Oscar Mike, who is this clone that everybody has the preconceptions. He's, you know, he's the super dude bro, but deep down inside, he he loves cats and he writes poetry and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's afraid of spiders. And, you know, those characters evolved over time. And, you know, you they're kind of like, I call them like vocal children. And it's hard to pick oh, a favorite, okay. but I, I think... Because I spent so much time with the characters in Battleborn, I really do love them. And people always say, which one's your favorite? And I can't, depending on how I feel that day, uh, I'll have a different favorite. But yeah, it's, um, it's hard to pick a favorite anything. It really is. So if you're feeling particularly murderous towards meatbags that day, then Isaac is definitely oh, well, hands favorite. down. Yeah, if, if right, I'm yeah. yeah, if I'm feeling very like if I'm feeling very bitter about something, or if I'm just like, man, I'm worked up over this thing that happened, and I, oh yeah, boy, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. then I'll, that's that's an Isaac day, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. It's, nice. Okay. So here's here's the thing uh, about Isaac. He has kind of like the pre-programmed, very consumer-facing voice. He's he sounds very friendly because he's Isaac. Uh, welcome to Minion Robotics. Can I help you? That type of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, so sometimes in advertising, uh, some people I'd worked with in the past uh, at all different companies, they would. Some people are not the nicest people that you have to work with. But you know, because they're a client, you have to basically, uh-huh. you know, they're this idea is stupid. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, um, what would you change? I don't care. It's just it's stupid. I I just don't like it. Well, is there anything we can do to? I just hate it. And so, and you just got to stay friendly and you know be diplomatic and okay. Thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate that. And um, so yeah, so that that pent up aggression in the smiley voice is I kind of uh-huh. I kind of drew upon that for his voice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I like to take the Oscar Mike route usually when I'm at work. I'm a fan of that one. Just I've given up on everybody, so I just go, oh yeah, <laughs> and they're just like, what is wrong with you, Eric? And I'm just that's like, that's very true. I work with him, so that's that's 100 accurate. Oh goodness. So yes, even I've taken some inspiration from those characters and just mm. just play it to the part and do it and have fun with it because God bless. <laughs> Why the heck not? But you know, there's somebody who would be very sad out there in the world if you didn't mention Minrek. You know, I feel like poor Minrek has been mentioned really yet, so I just want to make sure that Minrek is also another character whom you played a part in. Oh yes. And there's there are some definitive lovers of that said character, so I'm not getting mm-hmm. in trouble for not mentioning him. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, Minrek yeah, Minrek he um Man, I'm so sad that uh, Blitz didn't get more play because God, we had so much fun like recording new Minrek lines in that. Um, 
Yeah. Minrek was also a favorite of mine. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. He, um, <laughs> gosh, we, that was where a lot of ad living went through because, um, again, Aaron Lindy in the session was coming up with like metal stuff that thing could be reborn as, that things could be reborn mm-hmm. as. And it was like, we, people just started throwing things out there. Shopping cart with a wobbly wheel. That was mine. I'm very proud of that. Um, <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. And, uh, gosh. For, the, for Blitz, my favorite that I threw in there was an, an old-timey shoe store foot measurer thing. Because, you know, you know those things awesome. that used to put... Like, like It was just oh, yeah, what metal yeah. thing. Shoe stores and- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's... Uh, yeah. I Again, and all those characters. I, I will say, um, Minrek, yeah, made my neck hurt because... In order to do this voice, there is um, there are these two cords on the side of your neck that kind of stretch out. And um, doing that for about three hours, um, <laughs> my neck was killing me. It was right before mm-hmm. uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, and mm-hmm. my wife and I drove to Tennessee to visit family, and I could not turn my head to check a lane to check lanes. I had to ask her, "Am I clear to get over in the lane?" Because if I would turn my head, there was a sharp stabbing pain in my neck. And um, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> well, that that kind of dovetails into at least a little bit into another question from one of the patrons. Is obviously as a voice actor, you, I'm sure you get used to it eventually. But how do you keep yourself from getting sore throats, hoarse voices, especially like today when you were doing a lot of deaths and screaming and all that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, today I, I'm you know I sound I sound good. Like I will be fine tomorrow. It was just it was just a little mm-hmm. roughness. However. Um, I, uh, back to Battleborn, I learned how to properly yell on Battleborn. The very first day recording as Oscar Mike, um, there, when he yells airstrike, uh, that big airstrike yell, I just yelled and I felt a sharp stabbing pain in my throat Mm. and I was like, it was sounded awful. And then later on, uh, Joel McDonald, who is a, he's a voice director at, at Gearbox now. I worked with him on One Piece at Funimation. And he explained to me, he's like, oh yeah, that happened to me. That is that is literally rupturing a blood vessel in your throat when you do that. Wow. When you scream at the top of your lungs. And um, I was like, oh, so that's what happened. But I learned how to basically do their voices and how to yell without, without killing myself every time, you know, I, I yell. It's one of those things to where it's like people ask, how do you breathe? It's just something you just kind of like innately learn how to do. Um, mm. I would be a terrible voice acting coach in that sense because I'm thinking, I'd have, to, I'd have to sit down and really think, how do I yell without killing my, you know, my throat? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of ties in something I was thinking about and wanted to ask too is, so say you had a, a big spot today where you had to do a lot of yelling, a whole bunch of very, very energetic voice you know acting and then tomorrow you get a call and you have to do something else or you were supposed to do something else is there any kind of management that you have to do making sure you have the adequate amount of time to go okay guys what what are you having me do this day if i'm going to be screaming yelling i cannot do this part tomorrow do they allow for that or do you kind of just learn tricks and such like you were talking about to where you just push through it i've been really lucky to work with uh directors that are just just super awesome. Uh, a, a lot of the voice directors here in the DFW area are actual voice actors. They're voice actors who went into directing. Um, for example, uh, uh, a lot of the Gearbox stuff used to be recorded at um, at uh, Christopher Sabat's studio. You know, Vegeta, Wrath, um, nice. and uh, and he would always say, "It's like um, you know, whoever's directing, you know, our, how's your voice? How's your throat? We don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to kill you." And um, mm. 
the and, and Gearbox is very good about that too. Uh, it's like we we don't want to wear you out. You know, how are you feeling? Do you want to you want to break this up into two sessions? I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm fine. I can I can wrap this up, and um, and it's also it's just you learn how to temper the performance to where you don't lose the character and you don't lose any of the intensity. You just, you don't want to, you don't want to like yell incorrectly. Like you could get the same intensity and the same drama out of a yell without hacking your, your, your throat up. And if you are a little horse, um, there's tea and there is this stuff that I learned um, at Ocatron. It is a, it's a, it's a throat syrup from China and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's ninjompepakoa. It's uh, it's like this this uh, kind of, you know, minty kind of licorice-like syrup, and you mix that into some tea, and it's extraordinarily soothing on the throat. It's really good. Um, nice. Yeah, I after I started using that there, there's a bottle there like that everybody could you know make tea with. I ordered some online, and I've I've got some in the fridge right now. Um, I'm actually going to have some tea later with that in it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you're over here at Gearbox. You're still doing, I mean, are you still doing other stuff too? I mean, obviously you are. You have to be. <laughs> Basically, I guess what I'm trying yeah. to get at is you're, you've been working hand in hand on Battleborn for quite some time now. It's something you're very proud of. You know, we, we've, that's how I got to know you was through your you know communications mm-hmm. with all the community who loved Battleborn, and we're really just digging all the characters. You know, and we were like, "Oh man, this guy's really cool." Da da da. And so we've you know followed you up and and been going with you ever since we started the podcast. And now that Battleborn's wrapped. They're moving on to other things. And where's that put you? Do you, do you still do like a lot of video games on the side going on now? I mean, are you where are you at now? I guess uh, would be a good question. Obviously, you can't say everything because I, that's true. I can't say everything. Um, <laughs> I can say one thing, and you know, and and here is where I will say it because I knew that we were going to be having this this podcast, and it's just this one thing. But um, there's a, there's a video that that came out um, last week. Uh, I think there's some ads, and uh, Morning After Kill did like a like a um, a, a YouTube about it about the VR ads. Oh, yes, yes. VR ads. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, about the voice. Uh huh. Are you talking about one clap, the claptrap voice? Wow. Maybe. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I, oh, I got the go ahead. Really? I got the I got the okay from Gearbox like a while back, but I was just I was holding on to it because I was hoping to God that people didn't hate it. And there are some people no, that it's, think it's, it's there are some people that think it sounds you know it sounds different, which yeah it does a little bit, but um uh, but a lot of people are liking it. I, I wish I would have had a little bit more freedom in the VR commercial, but yeah, that is me. I am the claptrap. In uh, the Borderlands 2 VR commercial, that's fantastic. Oh, awesome! Yeah. No, because yeah. I I listened to it quite a few times, and I agree with I mean, Mortar Morning After Kill. I listen to you know watch a lot of them, so I really get them confused in my head. So I don't want to disrespect any of them. I did say it, but they compared your your voice now with VRs to Borderlands One, and it, it that it sounds right there. It's right on the money with one, I think, oh, wow. and I I agree with whoever said that. I forget who it was now, but. And I was like, "Wow, you're right. It does. That's like, that's claptrap Borderlands one style, and it's fast, fantastic." So here's the interesting <laughs> thing about that is that that was actually done with um with an ad agency, and 
there actually wasn't anybody at Gearbox present at the time, but they were the ones that basically put me through the ringer to see if I could do it. So when it came time to do the commercial, it's interesting. I think there were probably some people on that advertising team that were into Borderlands 1 and then some were into Borderlands 2. So they had me record those lines a million different ways. They had me record them. Oh. They, you know, they had me, welcome VR minion. You know, they, they wanted me to do it like mm. really excited, you know, like, you know, the hyperclap chap style. And then they wanted yeah. me, okay, now dial it back and make them a little more deadpan. I'm like, okay, deadpan. Pan Claptrap, how would he sound? He's still got to sound a little excited, but... And so I ran the full gamut. And so, it, like, a lot of the people that say, man, he sounded really, you know, kind of kind of mellow. He wasn't as excited as Claptrap normally is. And I'm thinking, well, there were takes where I was, but they ended up going with... And so I was curious <laughs> as to when, uh-huh. when they ran those, which ones they would pick. And um, I was so nervous. I was terrified thinking... Please don't be another Optimus Prime. I know. Don't let this be Optimus. See, that's why. That's why I wanted to tell you guys that because that's one of the reasons why I was, you know, I was kind of terrified of it. But that was coming up, and um, you know, the the folks at Gearbox they they contacted me. They said, "Hey, do you think you could do this?" And you know, it's to step into those shoes, you know, Mm -hmm. because 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 David created. I mean, he created the 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 sound of the voice of that character, and. Mm You know, it's, he's so iconic for them. And I mean, I've enjoyed, you know, listening to him and him driving me nuts and stuff like that, you know, myself. And it's like to, to be asked Uh to do that. Absolutely. I I mean, I was floored. That's an awesome role. That is fantastic. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I took lightly. It's not something that I'm taking lightly. It's, I wanted to be a claptrap that people would, would like and would think would, you know, would fit that sound and to um i mean because that that is that is a huge responsibility and i you know i'm it's a super huge honor that they asked me to to try it and that borderlands 2 vr claptrap commercial that's that's me (laughs) it's interesting those parallels here's a character that people grew up with that you replaced for a commercial here's another one that a whole new generation of people are growing up with spending hundreds and hundreds of hours with and now you get to take over that role too it's yeah i i just i i want them i want them to enjoy it i don't you know it's like i don't want yeah i, I was really happy to hear because i'm thinking oh wow it it, it actually because i hadn't heard it it's, it sounds good it, it sounds it sounds okay <laughs> oh boy i mean that because that, that, that makes you nervous because boy if you, if you make people angry on the internet holy cow <laughs> yeah but um, but you know, I was reading that a, a lot of people are liking it, so I'm I'm glad. I was gonna I was just gonna say that I saw a lot of comments, and most of them were all positive. I don't even think I really didn't see anything negative. Negative. There was a few that were like, "Well, I could definitely tell, but it's good," you know. Yeah, and but there's overall everyone loved it. Yeah, I mean, there's no way you can match somebody's voice identically. There's always going to be a, a you know a switch in the voice print, but you know there's a mm-hmm. you know, there's a certain delivery that um you know the way he talks that mm-hmm. you know and um. And I, I did my best, and, and Gearbox liked it. And they said, you know, do this thing, and there you go. <laughs> well, that's definitely a big congratulations, sir, because... Oh, yeah, definitely. Clap trap, woo! I, woo! I'd, been, I'd been hinting at it on Twitter uh, over the last few days, and... Um, yeah, I, oh, saw, that's right. I saw a couple yeah, of your you posts, have, but uh-huh. I totally missed it. I was yeah, like, it, what is he talking yeah, about? Yeah, what, I where didn't did even I? think about there's it. A, there's a thing about... There's like a, one was about a button that I picked up when I visited Japan. And look, there's a, there's a clap trap pop keychain right next to the uh, the muscular keychain from from my hero academia yeah that's the bag yep, yep. yes yeah. now it makes sense and there was another one where it's like <laughs> and and i'm not gonna apologize for it i really liked kimono friends 
this is goofy ass anime, but I loved it. Um, and I'm like, look, I got these two Nendroids. And then there's a little claptrap. There's the McFarlane claptrap just kind of peeking around the corner in the back. Yeah. And see if anybody would pick up on it. And then, and then I made the tweet talking about how Scott Lang in the Avengers trailer, in the Endgame trailer, mm-hmm. he's pretty much the claptrap of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's yep, a dramatic yep. moment. Hey, guys, it's me. Are you home? Yeah. And I'm thinking. <laughs> and so I was wondering, will anybody pick up on this that I've made three claptrap posts? <laughs> so, but um, I did it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, oh, I, that is awesome. I figured here's. I'm thinking. You know what? Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll reveal that that's me on uh, on third shift. And so there you go, guys. We got a Thank scoop. You, for the you, got, you got a scoop. Right. And we get to forevermore say we've had claptrap on the show. That's true. Boom! That's Look awesome. at that. Adding it to the list of things. So Minrack, Oscar Mike, Whiskey Foxtrot, Isaac, Claptrap. We've had Optimus Prime on the show. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. We've had Dragon Ball Z <sighs> character. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Gosh. That is awesome. Well, and mm. that leads, of course, to better things, newer things, who knows what. Oh, goodness. Here's, here's hoping. <laughs> well, I definitely here's the yeah. hoping. Because, you know, in the future, hopefully we can get you back on the show and talk about more stuff in the future. I would love that. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Someday. when You know, oh, that reminds me. This is the question I've asked everybody, and I'm not going to forget it. Hey, have you met the big man, Randy Pitchford himself? (laughs) I, I met him briefly. And this is, okay, the same day that I was there with Aaron, and he took, and he gave me the first tour of Gearbox. And... It's horribly embarrassing. So, you know, we're walking along and Randy, he's like, he's obviously, you know, he's with other people and it's kind of like businessy. And he, um, Aaron says, oh, here, I, I want you to meet, I want you to meet Randy. And so he's like, oh, you know, Randy, this is Jim Ferranda. He's the voice of the only thing that comes to my mind that I could possibly think of is I love your shirts. Because he wears, you know, because because he, he wears like those really flashy, super multicolored shirts and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and I like I like super colorful stuff. You know what I mean? It's like it's mm-hmm. I was, man, I love your shirts. That's what I say to Randy Pitcher when I meet him the first time. I'm thinking, and after yes. I'm thinking, why did I say I love your shirts? That is the goofiest thing. What? <laughs> what? You know? And so yeah, so I did get to meet him once, but like again, he was in the middle of like a, a thing, and and he was kind enough to kind of step aside and. And uh, and meet me, and I was just like, mm-hmm. uh, "Hello, sir." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh Man. boy! So he was a nice guy. Stepped out, said hello, and oh yeah, yeah. And you made that wonderful comment. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know sometimes. Um, oh gosh, uh, I I play Dungeons and Dragons with some friends that I I, I play Dungeons and Dragons every Sunday uh, with uh, some some folks that work at Gearbox at Gearbox. And, um, and oh, so wow. we were playing a game, uh, like a couple months ago and, and he was there and he walks by and then he doubles back. He's like, Hey guys. And then just keeps going. <laughs> so, <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. See, I've been trying to put together nice. a picture, you know, and, and every time we get anybody who's had contact with them, I, I like to hear their experience with Randy because we've got a mythos going here of what Randy is, who he is. <laughs> and I just like to kind of piece it together, you know, bit by bit of what is the mm-hmm. enigma Randy Pitchford, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's, I think when you know when you're a, a, when you're a public face like that, it's like you, people only see like one side; they don't get to know like the whole person, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did chat with Randy and Randy at uh, on the Nirvana stream once. So both Randy, Randy Varnell and Randy Pitchford. Randy Varnell, yeah, oh, they yeah. were they were doing mm-hmm. um yeah, and so uh, 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 Sam Winkler, one of the writers, said, "Oh, you should call in as as uh, as your characters," oh, yep. and so I did. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, I remember that episode, mm-hmm. which is yep. another wonderful thing we discussed on the show. Nirvana Spirits, where are they at? They better be coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we remember that episode very fondly. Mm-hmm. And I'll say with yep. Varnell, I know he's writing a book right now or talking about writing a book. Yeah. He's been going a lot of mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm super interested because, man, the, the job he did with the lore and everything going on in Battleborn, fantastic and i know he's not the only one that worked on it so i'm not trying to just yeah. give credit strictly to him but fantastic stuff it, it, it's all very well done it just drew me in and i'm like well if you know if he can help put together something like that then what can he do you know give him some time to write a book i'm, I'm super mm-hmm. stoked to you know see what he's got in store for us in the future yeah likewise because the uh, i mean the world that was created for i mean I, here's the thing when you look at you know the world in Battleborn. You look at the world in in Borderlands. I mean, that is it's 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 a world creation where it's there's so much detail that it's like you can imagine that place existing, and you can imagine other places. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's like I always wondered in in Battleborn. Um, you know, I always wondered what were these places like before things started to darken, and that's why you know with, with all the extra lore that was written for it, it's like wow, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. That's why I think those worlds are so much fun to play in because you just want to you just want to see more of them. You know what I mean? It's like and you want to know mm-hmm. more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like super disappointed because the ending of the ending. I don't know. I guess we could spoil it at this point. It's been forever now. But yeah. with the way the ending goes, I'm like, okay, they're gonna figure this out. You know, Battleborn Two, where we might actually get to see the worlds again. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, with the way everything went, it, is it gonna happen now? I mean, are we ever going to see it? I want to I see it. So. They, they I set so. it up to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I really want to see it again. Yeah, And that's also why I like to try to piece Randy together bit by bit so I can get in Randy Pitchford's head and I can become <laughs> Randy. And I can go, what would Randy do with this awesome franchise that didn't mm-hmm. – it performed well enough. You know, he said it multiple times. It made him his money bag. But will he, will he take that further? And then, so by every, or, everyone, or what avenue will he take? Yeah, that exactly. In? There you go. I so, man, uh, I'm stoked. I would love for that to come back because, again, the, this mm. those characters were too fun to man, not too to awesome. not keep living. You know, it's like I um I want I want to revisit them again. I have an idea in my head. It's like just a story of how I of what the algorithm really is, and uh, and what would happen if uh, if Isaac actually crashed the universe. And I always pictured mm-hmm. it as. Um, if Isaac crashed the universe, he would find himself and the rest of the group on the Gearbox servers. And, nice. um, and like, literally, and there would be crossovers between all of their previous titles, just weird kind of, like, a mishmash that he might stumble across through emails of, you know, of prominent figures in the company. Just, it'd be funny mm. to have that, this very weird meta thing where the video game characters find themselves in in this kind of gearbox verse and it's so traumatizing that that isaac is like oh crap i need to put the universe back together because this is way too weird yeah so um (laughs) yeah and so uh that's my uh my dream story for a (laughs) a battleborn sequel (laughs) nice i like it tell that all before the game starts yes that'd be wonderful Uh, oh i like it i like it a lot there you go if you're listening randy varnell there you go. Take that to the boardroom. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Come on. We've just found out that you are indeed the new Claptrap, at least for the VR commercial. Maybe, who knows, for future stuff, 
We'll find out in the future, everybody. Whoa, the future. <laughs> and hey, speaking of the future, I have one last question from Danny. Well, well, two actually. I'll, I'll ask the second one if it kind of goes in with the, uh, with the first one. But she wants to know, what is your dream voiceover gig? Like, we've, we've talked about uh, working with Sandlot way earlier in the episode. Any other companies you'd really like to work with or franchises you'd like to work on? Maybe some favorites you'd like to play that you'd like to be part of? Anything oh, like that? Oh, gosh. Uh, 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 I have, like, a, a little bucket list of things. And it's, it's, it's always mm-hmm. it's little goals that seem kind of achievable. And that way, when you reach mm-hmm. it, um, then you're like, oh, I, I did this thing. And, you know, one of them was being in a video game. And, you know, I, I did that thing for, you know, for Sega, for Spike Up Battle Street. Wow, that was awesome. And, um, and then you do some other video games. And one of these things on my bucket list was I would love to be, I would love to dub an official Godzilla movie. I would love to be, be a oh. part of a Godzilla dub. And when Funimation dubbed Shin Godzilla, I got to voice a few, like, little bit characters in there. There's so many roles in it. Um, nice. I, I voiced a tank commander and... Um, a father in a family of three that gets crushed in a building and uh, you know, some it's, and you know, it's, it's little bit parts sprinkled throughout, but by golly, I was in an an official Toho Godzilla picture and boy, that felt good. And um, yeah, it's like, it doesn't care. I don't care how small it is. I was in a Godzilla movie. Yay. Um, Mm -hmm. Man, I would love to voice a Disney feature film, a Disney or a Pixar feature film. I would love to be, uh, of course, you know, they always cast um, celebrities in those, but even, you know, just a character in the background or something, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those little goofy, you know, joke characters that appears like once or twice. Um, mm-hmm. That would be, man, that'd be great. Just to be part of that uh, pantheon of animated film. Well, there's got to be a shot for you at it. I mean, because there's a ton of, like, heck, Mulan. Yeah, the, the main people are, you know, knowns. But there was, like, the three or four sidekicks. They were in the movie the entire time. Great characters. Now, maybe you know who they were. But to me, especially at the time, I had no idea who any of these individuals were. So, you know, there's a lot of side awesome characters who actually sometimes steal the spotlight. If any video game characters I ever voiced, if if they were to, say, appear in a Wreck-It Ralph 3, there you go. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's, yeah, that's legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, that could literally happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, uh, that'd be cool. I, I know that's why when Ready Player One came out, I was... After, you know, people seeing the Battleborn characters pop up, man, I scoured every frame of that to see if any of my guys were in there, but well, they weren't. Very sad. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> and and they, they didn't have their voices anyway, but still, you know. It's kind of cool that, that some of those, uh, that some of the characters were, though. I don't know why Trash Can Burden, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever, you know, I think Isaac mm. would have been much better, or Oscar Mike, but... <laughs> trash Can mm. Burden. You get what you get. You get trash can burn. Oh man, it's like I love I love Benedict as a character, but I am terrible with him. I just you know. Hence he is the trash can burn. <laughs> but man, I've seen people play him like that are just like like dead aim with him. It's crazy. I just I'm oh, not yeah. I'm not yeah. good. I'm terrible with snipers and I'm terrible with anything that's like one shot one kill. I'm more I'm mm. like spray and pray. That's why I'm I'm that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pretty good with Isaac. I'm okay with Isaac, I guess. I'm sort of, mm. I'm eh with Isaac. But no, I'm, I'm better eh than with <laughs> other characters. So. <laughs> oh, I'm a Phoebe. Phoebe all the way. Ah. I love Phoebe. I'll just play Pendles. Just Pendles. <laughs> 
and Alani. I, I was good. I was good with Oscar Mike starting off though. I, I did have a got him leveled out and maxed up very first character. So I, I feel you with the Oscar Mike. Yeah, I, I'm. I like playing as Oscar Mike. I'm not that good with him. Um, I like my, the non mes I really like playing as Caldarius. He's fun. Uh, Arendi, mm. who I love playing as Arendi, oh, and yes. Pendles oh, also yeah. is just a blast to play. And um, it's crazy because you know when you pick it up, I'm like, oh, I haven't played this character in a long time, and you go, man, this character's really fun. That was the one thing I loved yeah. about that is that every character was like, wow, this is great. Um, unfortunately, I started playing El Dragon after they after they um, they made him kind of glass cannony. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not good with El Dragon. I'm not good with Benedict. Fun characters, but. I'm I'm not good with them mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> yeah, El Dragon just I I am useless. And Calvin, who I wanted to be good at so bad. You are the worst. I'm the Calvin. worst Calvin <laughs> in the world. I, I have I cannot use Calvin. It's impossible. I love Calvin as a character though. <laughs> yeah, I felt so bad for El Dragon because I started playing him right before they made yeah. the big change to him and I was just wrecking shop and then I just went, Oh, he was just indestructible. Else. Man, it's like you see him mm-hmm. charging at you in the in you know in multiplayer, and you're just like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you ran exactly. Yeah. I remember being <laughs> I was Phoebe. Say, shield generator for Mike, and just run away every time. I was about Phoebe seeing him running up, and I went, nope, teleport, pew, pew I'm out. Mm-hmm. Golly, and she was she was just unstoppable in the CTT. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the close technical test, man. She was just like she was way overpowered. <laughs> I heard about it, yeah. yeah, but I didn't actually. I played. I just played the beta, and uh, oh, we we played the technical did we? Test. Oh yeah, we did do the technical, but the, uh, yeah. we didn't do a ton of it though because uh, the flash they hadn't got the uh, the flashing right, the colors and the flashes, yeah. and the mm. screen was so cluttered at the time that I couldn't. I I didn't know idea what was going on. Uh-huh. I couldn't keep up, mm. and so we backed out of it. And then later, watching like Morning After Kill and those guys, they were talking all about how Phoebe was like a goddess and. And I was like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> well, Jim, it has been a blast, good sir. We don't want to dive too far into the future because we know the answer is going to be, heck no, suckas, stay tuned. So we're going to end it there right at the current point in time we are at. We already got a cool scoop with the whole wonderful Claptrap VR thing. Once again, congratulations, sir. That's an awesome, awesome spot to have. And you did a fantastic job with it. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, you know it. And with that, we're going to go ahead and end the interview and move on to the very end of the show and close it all out. So, Matt, you know what you got to do here. I know what I got to do because the listeners know what they got to do. They got to send us feedback, any questions, any comments, any concerns. Did you love the interview? Did I not ask any of the questions you put in? I'm sorry. There were quite a few. But send us all that feedback via email at info at thirdshift.me. Check us out on Twitter at thirdshiftme and find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Indeed you can. You can also find us over at Patreon. Did you like what you hear? Did you like the wonderful cool scoop that we got you that Jim provided because he is such a fantastic human being? Well, guess what? Maybe consider throwing us a buck. We treat it just like a tip jar. Anything and all things are appreciated. If you cannot, we understand. Because you know what? Christmas is coming. you got to pay bills. you got to buy those kids gifts or maybe lumps of coal. I don't know. That's up to you. But you can support us by giving us likes, five-star ratings, mailbag questions, comments, questions, feedback of any kind. It feeds us. It keeps us motivated and wanting to come on the show and provide you with all sorts of wonderful tips, tricks, news, information, and all the other good stuff. So please consider doing one of those fine things. 
And of course, this podcast drops every Friday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 21st of December for our very next episode. And you can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out, and we really do appreciate it. And now, Jim, just to close it out, tell everybody where... Uh, where they can find you, social medias, anything you want to plug, anything, anything. Oh and everything. yeah, sure. Um, well, I pretty much communicate with everybody on uh, on Twitter. You can find me at Jim Ferranda. Uh, a lot of people have misspelled my name in the past, so it's at J I M F O R O N D A. We're gonna close the show out, everybody, and we'd like to thank you for tuning in. But that's all I got for now because my eyes are bleeding and my throat is raw. So we're gonna say. Don't forget to save! Shut up and sit down. I gotta say, the Gearbox community and the Battleborn community and, and everybody's been so nice and just really just... I don't know. It's been such a nice group of folks. You know what I mean? I'm happy to be a part of it. And I just want to say... um. To everybody out there who's listening, thank you for having me.